Welcome back to the Thrive Subscribe Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Deniger, uh, back for yet another week of uh, summer podcasting. Uh, again, like uh, we were a couple weeks ago, I'm very fortunate to have Randy uh, back in the studio with us. Uh, Randy's COVID schedule is a little uh, less travel and a little more uh, at home, so that's uh, been beneficial to us from a standpoint of recording, uh, and it's uh, been a pleasure to have him around more often. Uh, so today, um, you know, we were kind of talking about what, what was uh, an interesting thing we might want to share with uh, our listeners, and one of the things that uh, we, we kind of discussed during the week that really kind of generated some interest uh, and we thought might be interesting to the rest of you was really how we go about in our pharmacy kind of managing and monitoring uh, what we're being paid for prescription products. And while that is a very uh, standard thing most most uh, owners are going to be doing, uh, the, the amount of time and effort we spend and the detail we go into might be a, a little bit different than some other owners are, so I thought it might be good to kind of discuss that. So. You know, Randy, tell us, uh, you know, what, what you do on a regular basis uh, to kind of monitor things. What, what have you set up? Yeah, Mike, back in, in 2013, you know, we saw from our largest payer in the state with their plan and PBM that they were using that uh, we, we saw a reduction of the effective rate of about 50%. And not really being that knowledgeable about it and what we had to be following with, with the payer, um, you know, we started watching the, uh, the data and we started noticing that um, we were getting paid less than what we could actually buy the product for in a true underwater MAC, which means our net price after rebates, we're still getting paid less than what we can buy the product for. So we started keeping at that point uh, spreadsheets. And those spreadsheets would have all the information such as bins and, and the price that we got paid, what we had um, purchased the product for, and then what was the difference. And we actually have utilized that and uh, work that we've done with legislators and also the government oversight committee that actually uh, did a testimony against uh, one of the PBMs. So we've utilized that to, to our um, advantage. Um, but more recently, we've moved it over from a handwritten um, type of a program to more that's electronic based on a Google Doc. And so our pharmacists can very quickly put information in. So we really do um, watch this very closely. Um, and then, then we add that to the DIR fees that we're experiencing as well too to know exactly what our bottom line is doing. And, and obviously, you know, what we're looking to do is, is to identify areas where both we might need to do a better job in purchasing because, you know, it's not always that we're being paid less than what we could get the drug at. It's just that we're paying too much for the drug. But more often than not anymore, even our best possible prices uh, aren't as low as we're being reimbursed. Uh, so that that's, you know, having good records and detailed records allows the owner to, to really dig in and see where the problems are, fix those that we can fix, and then look for other uh, remediation, if you will, through legislation or uh, working with the insurance commissioner and such like we've done in the past. Um, one of the other things uh, that we've done, though, Randy, is we've also looked at just the general trends. And you mentioned 2013, and that's really kind of a, a, a key date for us, at least. Uh, what I started doing when we started to notice things weren't going well is to just run a report on our pharmacy system. And that report was really, it's kind of a kludge. It's not designed specifically for what we're doing. But what I was trying to identify is what our average reimbursement per prescription was over time. 
And so I used a, a report, just canned report off of our pharmacy system uh, that identified the number of prescriptions that we were filling uh, and the total amount adjudicated for those prescriptions and our acquisition cost off of invoice in our case. And we we're able to look at that over time. And if you go back into 2010, 2011, 2012, uh, what we found when we were looking at this originally uh, was that our average reimbursement per prescription hovered right around the NCPA Digest's profitability number, which is in that 10 to $12 range. Uh, but as Randy indicated, in 2013, we took a big hit and we were all of a sudden down to about $5 per prescription for one particular pair. Uh, and that's a huge reduction in overall you know, revenue. It wasn't necessarily that we're losing money on every prescription, but the amount that we're making uh, obviously went way down. And that impacts everything that we do. Absolutely. Yeah, it impacts everything that we do. And, and if you're not making it up with new uh, revenue, and those revenues would have to be obviously on the clinical side, um, it's not sustainable as well. Absolutely. Uh, and the long story short on that type of, of problem is that, you know, not only did we make some complaints and move on, but you saw lots of states start to get into the, uh, into the act and start to pass legislation trying to create a, a more positive environment for pharmacy. Uh, and what has happened, and obviously we've got a Supreme Court case coming up uh, in a couple of months uh, that is really going to, uh, you know, hopefully confirm the state's ability to regulate insurance plans. But uh, what has happened since then is the pharmacy benefit managers have actually changed their tactics. Uh, and what they've done is they've moved from uh, MAC pricing, maximum allowable cost, to contracts that really work in generic effective rate and brand effective rate. So generic effective rate was a way to describe reimbursement that didn't pin prices to individual drugs. A generic effective rate, just in case you're not sure what that term means is, on average, the pharmacy benefit manager is going to pay the network some number, which is usually based upon average wholesale price, which of course is fictitious number, uh, minus a percent. So as long as they meet that on average, they're within their contract means and we don't have ability to complain. So that big change has, has uh, really impacted how we can actually uh, you know, regulate the pharmacy benefit managers and that's a direct response to uh, some of the things that have happened since 2013. So where does that bring us today, Randy? Well, more recently, Mike, especially as it occurred during the pandemic, and mid-March, um, I started noticing um, with um, one of our largest payers in the state, again with their PBM, that uh, we were seeing a reduction. And this was not just a small reduction, but again, pretty dramatic, which would be at least 50% reduction that we were seeing in our effective rate. So we started putting a lot of focus on our record keeping on that particular uh, plan. It was for a commercial plan and uh, that particular bid. And as we kept track of that, what we found out is from the months of May uh, to the current time, is when we started keeping the electronic uh, record, uh, we had uh, just over 2,900 claims uh, for that particular bin. We also found out that uh, when we looked at the data for those products that we actually got paid less than we could actually purchase it for, so a true underwater MAC, uh, we had 600 and just over 630 which represented 22%, so really almost one in um, four um, medications that we dispensed 
during that time frame were less than what we can actually purchase it for. And that's just unbelievable, really. So if, if you kind of go back to this general, you know, trends within, you know, within our pharmacy at least, we saw that, uh, you know, 2013 we saw a big drop. Uh, it continued down until our major payer in the state changed pharmacy benefit managers, BBMs. Uh, and then we were back up, floating around, up and down, mostly right around the same uh, amount, about 10 to $12, uh, until COVID-19 comes around. Uh, and then again, we're back down to at or below $5 across this. I'll tell you what's interesting about that too, Mike, is we actually look at the weekly ranges. We actually could see that um, there are some weeks we actually made a negative number per prescription, which is just so interesting to be able to, I'm like, what other industry would allow that? It is amazing. Um, the biggest trick, and just, just so you, you know, our, our listeners understand, is when you start to look at these things, because we're talking about a generic effective rate, uh, it is the shorter time period you look at, the harder it is to get a good, uh, a good aspect of what's going on. Because you know, if we look at just individual weeks, we did have a week where we lost seven dollars and fifty cents per prescription. Uh, the next week we were back over five dollars per prescription, and then we were down to zero. Uh, we were back up to a 250 and then a dollar. Uh, so it really bounces around a lot. If you look at just the whole month as a whole, it's a little less uh, variable. But again, the, the drop in, in reimbursement is, is very, very dramatic. And we look at it from all aspects. I mean, we look at it from a weekly basis, we look at a monthly basis, we look at the trend. Uh, but it does, it's very telling when you start breaking it out to look at that to say, you know, really, what other industry? would allow yourself to be able to get paid less than what you can actually get a product for. No one would do that, whether it be a service delivery or a product delivery. Yeah. And that really kind of uh, scores uh, the main point here is we're talking at this point, up to this point at least, about what we get paid for product. And that's all really the pharmacy benefit managers are considering. Uh, and so there are two things that we need to keep in mind. One, we can make money through other avenues, other revenue streams, and that's becoming much more important nowadays. Uh, and, and two, we need to really, we can't not worry about that product because that really is what uh, differentiates us as a, as a profession and as a business uh, from you know, many other avenues. Right. And I would say, Mike, that it really emphasizes the need for us to transform the practice. And that's the whole purpose of what we're talking about with Thrive Pharmacy Transformations is the importance that you have got to move your practice from a primary dispensing a model to one that's focused on patient care. And once you make that transformation, it increases and improves the capacity for you to provide care. And what does that do for your practice? Well, we're getting this from first-hand accounts from pharmacists that have done this themselves. They have seen that they improve the efficiencies of the practice because now they're utilizing technology, they're utilizing the non-pharmacist personnel differently. They have a workflow that supports patient care. They've done medication synchronization that supports the appointment-based model. So now they can actually time when they're actually going to provide the clinical services for the patient. So the efficiencies improve tremendously. Plus, you are able to um, monitor and control your inventory much better because you got them on a MedSync program. The second thing that it does is allows you to do a better job of managing your patients and making sure they're adherent to the therapy because now you get them synced up, 
they're becoming more adherent, which is going to affect your DIR fees since a lot of the measures are focused on that. But you can also use that time in the point-based model to address the other measures that the um, equip platform or other performance measures you might have to address. So it reduces your DIR fees because you're performing better. So that's going to have an effect on the bottom line. But the big thing that it does for you is frees up the pharmacist to provide clinical services so that you're ready to make new revenue with immunizations, point of care testing, um, whatever the case might be, what service you're providing to that patient, and allow you to participate in payer programs, which are we are participating in several right now. So it's exciting for us to see that we're making revenue that is now starting to offset that loss that we saw on the product side, which really emphasizes the importance that this is the future of pharmacy, community pharmacy practice, and that is about uh, managing the patient, not managing the drug. We still have to get paid a fair price for the drug, no doubt about it. We need to keep fighting for that because no one should be paid less than what they have to buy something for. But we need to start pushing on the uh, medical side of the equation for reimbursement and saying we need to be paid as a provider, be recognized as a provider because we're providing the same type of services that other uh, providers such as physicians are providing. And that's an interesting uh, thing that a lot of pharmacy owners don't think about. Uh, one of the things that we, um, we we decided a few years ago is, you know, we've got these revenue streams for clinical services that are coming in. They are obviously not as large as our primary revenue stream, which is, continues to be prescriptions, uh, but we need to be able to track that. And so one of the things we did several years ago is actually add a department on our, on our point of sale register for clinical services. So whenever we were paid for a clinical service, we could actually credit that in our register as that type of service. And, and Randy, how has that changed uh, over time? What, what, what have we seen for that over the last several years in our, in our particular practice? Well, it's interesting because really with clinical revenue, we do keep good records of that now, and it's pretty significant now to the bottom line. And before, we would always say that it was just kind of icing on the cake, but it really was on the product dispensing side that we still made our, our bread and butter. But that bread and butter is no longer there. And so really the monies that we have coming in that are more related to clinical revenue um, is what's really driving us to be sustainable. And I think in the future, um, this will be the way that we make our primary revenue, no doubt about it. And I think it's important that, you know, for pharmacy owners that are out there looking to, you know, obviously thinking about transformation and saying, you know, but. I'm not going to do it until I get paid. Well, you already are being paid some, but unless you start to track that and track how that's changing, you're really not going to understand where your pharmacy is headed. So if there was one pearl I guess I would take from this uh, is to really start to identify and document what you are being paid for on a clinical standpoint. It may not be a much if you're not doing things outside of a few MTMs here and there, but as you start to think about and grow things like immunizations, uh, that's a clinical revenue service. Uh, you know, you start adding some MTMs or enhanced MTMs or medical safety uh, reviews with other companies. Uh, those are clinical revenue. You start finding some companies that want you to do medication reviews for their patients or clients or, uh, or a assisted living or whatever it is. Again, clinical revenue, you're being paid by the hour for what you do. Uh, those things, adding them up, keeping track and seeing how they how they compare on your balance sheet as a percentage of gross sales and how that changes with time is very, very important to driving that transformation because if you can see it and measure it, you know you're making an impact. If you can see it growing, 
you can actually see that what you're doing is having impact. And this is happening across the markets all over the place. It's no longer just an individual pharmacy here and there, but there are payers who actually recognize the value of community pharmacy and what they can bring to the table. And so I'm excited to say that uh, you know the future of this is going to be about those clinical services, about the pharmacists and the pharmacy having the capacity to provide those clinical services. It's still about access to patient care. That's what's cool and great about community pharmacy is that we do have that access and we have the relationship. So it's the relationships, the access, and the kind of care we can provide that's gonna make a difference. I believe in community pharmacy. Um, I believe this is, I do believe we're gonna be um, around for a long, long time. It's gonna look different than it was when you and I graduated, Mike, but it's gonna be more exciting. It's gonna be the things that we always went to school for, and we're gonna be recognized and paid for all the services that we provide. Absolutely, I mean, it, and the reality is, you know, when, when we both graduated, which has been a few years ago now, uh, there weren't many practices that looked anything like what we're at now, and there are not, we're not just one practice that, are, that is doing this. There are hundreds of practices around the country that have made huge strides in changing how they, they approach the patient and how they look for reimbursement and other revenue streams and really are pushing that clinical envelope, and that's very exciting to me. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is the future. We want everybody to uh, be part of that future. And um, if you have any questions about practice transformation, you can check out our website with uh, Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. I would also encourage you to look at um, some other opportunities such as Flip the Pharmacy that's going on with the Community Pharmacy Foundation and CPSN USA. Um, but do something. Now's the time for you to start making changes within your pharmacy. Uh, we believe in it. We uh, disciples of this new movement, and we want you to be that as well, too. The Thrive Subscribe podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com, where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.